Genesis chapter 3. Uh, but before we do that, can I pray? Is that right? Lord Jesus, I ask that you'd help me this morning. Uh, I really ask that you'd help me to communicate well. Uh, Lord, I want to thank you for gifts. I want to thank you for people that are gifted to speak. Thank you, Lord, that we've learned so much over the years through men and women that have preached from this, uh, in this church and uh, showed us so much of who you are and what you want to do. But God, we pray for your spirit to come. We pray that you would transform us by your spirit. We pray right now that your word would bring revelation, uh, understanding that we don't have. And Lord, we pray that you would refresh us in the understanding that we do have. That we might become more and more like your son. That we might become gracious, kind, loving people that transform our communities just by being ourselves. That people will see the living Christ in us. And we trust you for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. It really is my privilege to preach this morning, and I've had two weeks off, so I'm feeling fresh, which is great. I always know when it's time to stop preaching, because I feel really kind of like jaded, and kind of like I'm just not connecting. And so it's been really, really good to have uh, Helen preach a couple of weeks ago. And then I really want to recommend uh, Chris Birch Evans came in last week. And if he weren't here, he preached a wonderful, wonderful message just on... on, uh, how the gospel transforms us, and, and, and out of that, what Step has been doing into the community. And I really recommend that you listen to uh, his message if um, you weren't here. But I'm going to read five verses of Galatians, this amazing book. Galatians is such a radical, radical book. And we're going to read the first five verses. It says, uh, chapter 3, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you this, only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles amongst you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed and was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. I've got four very, very simple points, just one from each of these verses that I'd like to share with you this morning. And I simply want to put this to you as the starting point this morning. That we are saved by grace through faith, and we also grow by grace through faith. You might say that's a very simple thing, and we all understand that. I want to say to you that unless we really, really understand that, we get into trouble as we try and live the Christian life. Alright? Unless we really do understand that we are not only saved by faith, by grace through faith, unless we do understand that we also grow by faith, we are, in, we are going to run into trouble along the way. And so, Paul in Galatians 2, we, we, as we looked at the second half of the chapter, he showed us very clearly that we are saved by grace through faith, and that we don't put our, our effort into uh, good behavior, and I've said this over and over again, or trying to live by a moral code, or a sense of, of, of um, anything like a moral code. We put our faith, our wobbly faith, into the faithfulness of Christ and His faith, 
And that's what saves us. And Helen preached a, a wonderful message about the faithfulness of Christ and us putting our faith into the faithfulness of Christ. And so that really does create a whole new motivation in every area of our lives. And you've heard me say this many, many times. I'm going to say it again. That grace really does change everything. When you understand the grace of God, it really transforms everything in your life. It transforms the motivation for which you live, how you seek to complete your life, and how you move forward in the kingdom. And so, I want to encourage you. You you might say to me, and I understand that I'm saved by grace through faith, and this letter might not apply to me. I want to say to you, if that's what you think, you don't really understand this letter or the heart of what Paul is trying to say. I I love playing golf. And you know, whenever you get onto the first tee when you're playing golf, there's a kind of pressure, because the the first tee always is by the clubhouse. And there's always guys having a drink, overlooking the first tee. And so whenever you get onto the first tee, there is this pressure of, I really want to hit a good shot. I, I don't want to embarrass myself in front of all these guys. And so there's a wonderful feeling that when you strike the ball well on the first tee and it goes down the center of the fairway, you feel an absolute sense of, oh, that was, you feel relief. Anyone play golf here? Or am I just the only one? But I've discovered this the more that I've played golf. It doesn't really matter what happens on the first tee. What really matters is over 18 holes getting the ball into the hole. That's what really matters. And so there's some wisdom from us from the golf course. It doesn't matter how you drive. It matters how you arrive. It doesn't matter how you start. It actually matters how you finish. And Paul is saying exactly the same thing to us here in Galatians. He's saying, it is great that you have started by faith. It is wonderful that you put your faith in Jesus. It's actually how you finish that is more important. In this sense, are you finishing walking by faith? Or are you trying to add to your faith good behavior, a moral code, feeling like you're all right on the inside and over a period of time your life is transformed out of being a life walking by faith into just a legalistic existence in a good Christian way. You get it? That's what he's saying. And his, his example of this is the Judah, Judaizers, however you say it. These guys that had come into the church and said it's all very good for you to, to be saved by grace through faith, but what you really need is to add a little bit of good behavior to yourself. <laughs> what you really need is to not eat certain food, and that makes you acceptable to Jesus. And Paul is in a very, very practical way hitting that on the head, and he's saying, actually, it is all about faith. And, he, and I'll talk about this next week. And he, he, he goes back and he, he introduces in these five verses, Abraham, the father of our faith, the one who is the prototype Christian, the one who was a Christian before Jesus came. That's radical, isn't it? Abraham was a Christian in the way that we should be Christians before Jesus even came. And the gospel says that God preached the gospel to Abraham before Jesus came, and it was to this that we are to be a blessing to the nations of the world, and that we do not walk by the law, we do not walk by following rules, we walk by faith as we follow the voice of the Spirit. Abraham, the father of our faith, that's why he's called the father of our faith. And so I'm aware that um, when I haven't preached for a while I can be loud, so I'm going to try and not be too loud. But Paul says four very, very simple things 
to illustrate to the Galatian church, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. I want to say to Forest Town Church, we've had a good beginning. We know what God has saved us. We know what it means to walk by faith and to be saved by faith. Let us know what it means to be walk by faith and to complete this journey by faith. Not putting stuff on each other. Can I put it to, can I be blunt? All the isms, sexism, nationalism, racism, racism, materialism, they are all an extension of legalism. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you put your, fa- your trust in your race to make you access- acceptable, or your language group, or the fact that you earn lots of money, or the fact that you're from a so- certain social class, that is, that is an extension of legalism. It's saying, I'm putting my faith in that and not in Jesus. The only thing that makes us clean, the only thing that makes us acceptable to our Father in heaven is Jesus Christ. That is it. That's what it means to be saved by faith, by believing in Jesus. I'm, I'm very grateful that I was born where I was born. I'm very grateful that I wasn't born in China. I'm not, it's not, there's nothing against Chinese people, but I wouldn't have experienced the gospel. It was the grace of God to me that I grew up in a home that knew the gospel that I was saved into, into God's kingdom. I'm grateful for my history, but I'm not putting my trust in my history. I'm, I'm not putting my, my trust now that I, I live in, 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 in Great Britain where the economy is reasonably good and I earn a reasonable living and, and that's, that's really what's going to save me. At the end of the day, you and I are pilgrims. <laughs> At the end of the day, we don't belong here. <laughs> we belong with our Father in heaven. Our hope is this, that heaven is where we are going. And that's not to escape pain and suffering here. It's to live well here so that we can be with our Father in heaven one day. Well, I'm very excited this morning. Four points. This is what Paul says. He says, to remind them, he says, Jesus was clearly portrayed to you. And he said, when Jesus was clearly portrayed to you, what happened? You experienced the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit fell on you with power, and you were transformed. And that's what he reminds them of. He said, and, he, and actually in chapter 3 and 4, that's what he goes on and on to say over and over again. Remember, he says to the Galatian church, when, when I preach the gospel to you, when I portray Jesus, when I, and, and the word is placarded, the word is like, a, it, uh, it, it means like a massive billboard. It's, a, it's Paul is saying, through my preaching, I put up a billboard where you clear, clearly saw Jesus, clearly lifted up, portrayed. He was the only thing I preached. And he says this to them. He says, when I preach Jesus to you, you experience the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit fell on you with power and transformed you from the inside. And, and you knew that you were a child of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. What Paul is saying is this. He's saying, you did not experience the power of the Holy Spirit as the law was preached to you. You did not experience the power of the Holy Spirit as someone told you, you must follow these t- ten rules to please God and to live well. He says exactly the opposite. He said, the only thing that brought the Holy Spirit down upon you was when I preached Christ. When I preached the cross. When I preached the need, your need of Jesus. That is what released the Holy Spirit's power into your life. And it's the same for you and I. Our experience of the transforming power of Christ begins with the preaching of the cross. It does not begin with, you need to live like this. It does not begin with, don't drink, don't smoke, only wear these kind of clothes. It does not begin with that. Sorry if I'm too loud. 
It begins with the cross. It begins with the atoning work of Jesus. As we lift Jesus up and he becomes bigger and bigger and bigger in our vision and, he, and our hearts become more and more enlarged and we understand more of, of who Jesus is, automatically we start to live differently. And unfortunately, I fear that Christians miss this point. That we live by faith. Why? Because I've been involved in church leadership since I was in my early 20s. I'm now 50, turning 51 in April. 25 years I've been doing this, one form or the other. I know this. It grieves me to say this, that churches can be full of legalism. Absolutely stuffed, full of legalism. (laughs) In the name of Christian freedom. And why do people do that? Why do pastors feel like they have to do that? Because... There's a sense of responsibility that we can sometimes carry for other people. And so we don't want them to mess up their lives. (laughs) And so then pastors do say, don't drink, don't smoke, that's not good for you, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Actually, you know what it does? It just puts legalism on people. It just puts rules on people. And we are not called to live by rules, we are called to live by the power of the Spirit. And this is what I mean when Paul says, friends, grow up. He's not insulting us. He's saying, I want Jesus to be formed in you so that you grow up and you are mature. And what does that mean? It means you hear the voice of God for yourself. It means that you walk daily and you hear the voice of the Spirit saying, this is what you should do, my son. And you hear the voice of the Spirit and you do it. You don't need the pastor to walk around saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Wear only these clothes. Come on now, that's being babies forever. Surely no, we are to grow up into the fullness of Christ and to become mature so that all of us experience the knowledge of the fullness of God. God treats us with dignity. He's wanting us to get strong as as believers. Are you with me? Clearly portrayed. That's what Paul says. It begins with the preaching of the cross. And as they knew and understood who Jesus was, They had this assurance of salvation inside of them. The Holy Spirit was poured out and transformed them, and they knew they were sons of God. Amen. What a beautiful beautiful thing. Secondly, Paul reminds them that our experience of the gospel is confirmed by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's what it says. It says the the, the, the Holy Spirit was poured out and sealed these things in their hearts. That's why Paul asks him, he asks him this question. He says, let me just ask you this one thing. I've just got one thing to ask you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? He's reminding them. He's saying, I didn't preach morality to you. I didn't come and preach the Ten Commandments to you. I just preached Jesus. And that's how you received the Holy Spirit. You didn't receive the Holy Spirit as I extricated all little details of the law. No, 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 no. You received the Holy Spirit just as I preached Jesus. And Jesus came on you and confirmed these things in your heart. I think it's not, um, he's not talking about, um, you know, we don't know how the Holy Spirit works in our lives, do we? We just know that some, some point we weren't following him and then over a period of time or however it happened for you, there's a point where we suddenly, we know that we believe in Jesus. Remember I gave you the example of C.S. Lewis when he got saved. For years he had been thinking about the gospel and thinking he was an atheist. 
and he left Oxford one day, and he drove to the Whipsnade Zoo, and when he left Oxford, he was not saved, and when he arrived at Whipsnade Zoo up the road from us, he was saved. I'm not talking about that, that unseen work of the Holy Spirit. I think what he's talking about here is like what happened in Acts 10. Remember in Acts 10, 44, Paul is a, Peter is preaching the good news of Jesus. He's preaching the cross. He's preaching to those Gentiles, and it says, The Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from amongst the circumcised, the Jews who had come with Peter, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about this obvious experience of the Holy Spirit being poured out. And so Paul's point is so simple. He's saying, guys, when that happened, how did it happen? It certainly didn't happen as I was talking to you about Moses. It happened as I was talking to you about Jesus. And it's true, when we are saved, when you come to faith, we receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And I want to put it to you that we never truly experience the Holy Spirit in any other way. God, I tweeted this week, God never honors legalism by blessing it with His Holy Spirit. (laughs) God never honors legalism by blessing it with His Holy Spirit. Now, I say that because I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but as a church leader, I want the blessing of the Holy Spirit. I want this church, and I'm sure you do, to be filled with people that are not yet saved. Right? Would you agree that's a good thing? How's that going to happen? What is, going to, what, what is the Holy Spirit going to bless? He's going to bless a grace-filled community. That's what He's going to bless. He's going to bless a grace-filled community where people that don't know Jesus can come in, can feel accepted, can feel loved, and we let the Holy Spirit transform them. We don't get it, go around saying, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. We are Christians here. Don't bring your tattoos in here. Don't bring your cigarettes and your alcohol in here. We're Christians. We don't do that here. Really? Really? Is that going to bring the power of the Holy Spirit? It ain't. It's not, God never blesses legalism. And why I say that to you is for, for all of us, legalism needs to die in our hearts. Our subtle expectations that we put on people. The little things that we kind of, we don't even speak them out. We just, they're there. Unless that dies, there's not going to be a graceful community. Uh, Please, I'm not accusing you. I'm trying to encourage you. Yes? Come on now. We want a graceful community where Jesus is glorified and made much of. Let's make much of Jesus, all right? And secondly, we receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit when we are saved. That's true. But there are other evidences of the Holy Spirit in our lives as well. There's this deep assurance that comes that we are His sons that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul says in uh, Galatians 4, later, in verse 6. And because you were sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. Even you being able to say, Jesus, you are my, uh, God, you are my Father, is by the power of the Holy Spirit inside you. That's another evidence of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And thirdly, um, there's the third evidence of the Holy Spirit in our life, actually, is love. Galatians 5.22. This is the fruit of the Spirit, love. The bottom line 
of having the Holy Spirit in your life is not that you speak in tongues, although speaking in tongues is a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. The bottom line in your life is, are you loving people? <laughs> that's, that's the ultimate evidence of the Holy Spirit. Is, is there love in your life? <laughs> if, if there's not love in your life, well then... We need to pray that God would show you something more of His love by the power of His Holy Spirit. Amen? If we can't love people, if we are always irritated with people, if we are always grouchy, if we are always upset, if we are always saying, it's your problem, not my problem, is that really evidence of the Holy Spirit? So I'm saying to you that Paul says, you receive the Holy Spirit like that when I preach Christ to you. And the Holy Spirit sealed that in your hearts. And then, the third thing that Paul says, he says it's foolish to turn from trusting in Jesus by faith to any other system of rules. That's what he says. He says it's foolish. He says, um, he asks them again. He asks, I love how Paul teaches. He asks another question. He says, have be, having, he asked him this question, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? He uses that word perfected. That is a Greek word uh, for completion, and it's simply this, epitelios. It means epi, final, completion, perfect completion. So he's saying, are you trying to finally complete yourself by the law, by works of the flesh? He asked him that question. Remember, it's not how you start, it's not how you drive, it's how you arrive. So he's saying, you've started by believing in Jesus. Are you now trying to complete yourself by works of the law? Has anyone got a translation that says, um, um, where is it? Uh, make every effort. What's the language? I'm, I'm with the ESV. I did write it down here. I just can't find it. Um, Oh, yes. It is, um, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Does anyone have a translation that says that? I think the NIV, do you not have a Bible? (laughs) Is it the NIV that says that? The NIV is very unhelpful. That is not a good thing, what, what Paul is trying to say. How many of you know that after you've been five minutes for a Christian, as a Christian, it does take a lot of effort to be a Christian. It takes a lot of effort to live a a godly life. It takes a lot of energy. So that is a very poor translation. Paul is not saying that. Paul is saying this. You do not put your effort into obeying the rules. You put your effort, all your energy, every, the, 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 all the energy that you have during the day, you don't, you don't put it into saying, today I'm really gonna try hard, just Lord, to not lose my temper. I'm really gonna try hard. And as I try hard, you're going to bless that. Paul says, that's not what you do. That's the wrong thing. Paul says, what you do, that's the, you put all your effort into doing this. Jesus, today I just want to hear your voice. Please help me to hear your voice. Today, when I get out of bed, Father, help me by the power of your Spirit to be kind to my kids. Jesus, help me when I make coffee with my wife, not to be grumpy when I come up to give her the coffee. Just help me to have a smile on my face. I'm talking about myself, not about you. Because some of us wake up differently in the morning, don't we? Some of us are smiling, happy people. Other of us, when we wake up in the morning, it takes a while. You need a couple of cups of coffee. I'm like that. But you put your effort into that. You don't put your effort into trying hard. 
You put your effort into saying, Jesus, I want to hear your voice. I want to walk by faith today. Help me to walk by faith, to hear your voice. That's what Paul is saying. Make every effort to do that. To listen as best as you can with a soft heart and to obey quickly. That's what Paul is saying. That's how we complete ourselves. Not by the law, not by trying hard. That's how we become perfect. The, 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 the biblical word is for, for, for being saved is justification. Helen said it to us the other day. Just as I never sinned. Yeah? The, 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 the theological word for becoming more like Jesus is sanctification. How do we become more like Jesus? That's what I'm trying to say to you this morning. We don't do it by trying really hard and following a whole list of rules that we give to ourselves. No, we, we try really hard to hear the voice of God, to hear the voice of the Spirit. That's how we grow. So we are saved by faith, and we grow by faith. Amen? Last, uh, second lastly. Um, uh, this is what I do want to say. Uh, this is why I say I, I'm nervous that Christians miss this, because... There's a confusion between the law and there's a, there's a confusion between the law and the encouragements that we receive from the scripture towards godliness. Yeah? There's a big difference. This is what I mean. The scripture says when we get born again, we die to the law. We die to all that stuff because Jesus perfected the law. And Jesus made it quite clear that even the Ten Commandments were too low. He said, now I'm calling you to live at a higher level that you can only do by the power of the Spirit. And so there are, if you look throughout the Scripture, there are always encouragements towards godliness. And as we hear the Spirit's voice, we will hear His encouragements toward godliness. And that's how, like I've said to you this morning, that's how we become like Jesus, and we hear the encouragements of the Holy Spirit. But the whole point that Paul is making here is that hearing the encouragements of God, hearing the voice of the Spirit, is not the same thing as living by rules. It's completely different. And where do you put your trust? And so, for example, Jesus said on the Sermon of the Mount, there were a whole lot of encouragements that he gave us towards living a godly life. Well, we would be wise to hear what Jesus said on the Sermon of the Mount. There are all sorts of encouragements in the New Testament letters that the the apostles give us in terms of how we can be encouraged in our walk with Jesus and, and what is wise in terms of our lives. But they are not rules. You get it? They are not rules. They are simply encouragements of the Holy Spirit in us to transform us to become more and more like Jesus. And so the last thing I want to say is this, having said that. Paul concludes these, these, these four little encouragements. One, Jesus was publicly portrayed to you. You saw Jesus clearly. When you saw Jesus clearly, what happened? You received the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you received the power of the Holy Spirit, your life was transformed from the inside. That had nothing to do with what Moses said at all. It was only the preaching of the cross that brought that into your lives and brought that liberty to you. Then thirdly, he says, don't turn away from that and try now, after you become a Christian, to subtly give in to a whole lot of legalism in your life. Don't ever do that because that is going back to the law and that is incredibly foolish and I want to say to you that we can also become incredibly foolish like the Galatians we can we just have to stop hearing the voice of the spirit and subtly start putting our trust into other things and we will become like the Galatians and Paul says that is foolish don't do that and then his last encouragement is this did you see signs and wonders and miracles by the Holy Spirit's power or by the power of the law And the answer is obvious, isn't it? 
signs and the wonders and the power came because of the Holy Spirit, not because of the law. And so the miracles of Jesus depend on Jesus' grace and nothing else. And Paul's asked the question in verse 4, Did you expense so many things for nothing? If it was indeed for nothing, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles amongst you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? And we know that the obvious answer is by faith, as we hear the Word of God. So can I ask you a couple of questions as I, I finish, and we're going to break bread later now, but um, how many of you, I mean, I, I, we want to see God move, don't we? <laughs> don't we? We want to see people saved, don't we? We want to see people healed, don't we? We want to see people baptized. We long for those things. We long to see our communities transformed. We long to see thousands of people come to Christ, set free from condemnation, uh, enjoying the freedom that Jesus brings. We long to see His church all over the nation flourish and grow. That can only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. We desperately need the Holy Spirit. Desperately. Let me say this again. The supply of the Holy Spirit that brings miracles and revival will stop the moment we return to a gospel of legalism. The moment we return to it, even subtly in our hearts, the Holy Spirit will dry up like that. Why do I say it's so important for us as a church to understand this? Because, my friends, if we want people to be saved into this community, it's only the grace and the freedom of Christ that's going to do it. It's not any kind of legalism. I think it's dangerous when churches try and motivate people out of need. Can I say this to you? And I'm not picking on any other church. I'm just saying this. Every church has needs. We need people to help in the worship teams. We need people to help to volunteer to serve on Sundays. We need people to help to go into the communities and, and uh, the old age homes. We need people to help at the welcome team. I mean, every church has those kind of needs. This is the problem. You can't motivate people from your need. <laughs> you can't. It's absolute. When we get into that, we just get into a cycle of absolute exhaustion. The only thing that motivates people from the inside is what? Is what? The Holy Spirit. I can't get you to do anything. I would want you to do some stuff for the kingdom because you love Jesus and because you want to see His kingdom come and you want to see your kids raised in a way that honors Jesus and you want to have good worship. Uh, when we get together, that's not a distraction when the musicians play, that it's reasonable. <laughs> I would want all those things. Don't you want all those things? Well, they only come by the power of the Holy Spirit. They only come as you on the inside realize, Jesus, I want to give myself to you like this. And I'm going to do it with all of my heart, not because anyone is asking me or telling me or saying, oh, we need it, we need it, we need it, we need it, but just because I love you. Man, that's an incredibly different motivation. And you know, it, it takes all the anxiety out of leading church. And so Helen and I and our team have got to this place where we're just saying, Jesus, if the people, if there's no minister, there's no ministry. Why? Because we want people to be free.
I'm never going to twist your arm to serve in the kids' ministry, to give money. I'm never going to twist your arm to be in the worship team. You either do that because you want to, because you are transformed from the inside and you love Jesus, or you do it because you don't want to. That's it. That's how we live. We live by faith. And I will do all that I can to encourage you so that you want to live by faith and you want to give yourself from the kingdom. But I can never force you to do that and no one else can. This is a gift that comes when it's given. That should free you. (laughs) You should be going, yes, yes, come on, yes, I can live like that. Yes, of course. Come on, it's good news. Or do you want to be part of a church that's incredibly legalistic, that uh, looks how you dress when you come in the door, checks whether you've given your money, makes sure that you're in a home group, says, have you found the pastor prays, finds you every day and says, are you praying? Would you, like, would you want to be part of a church like that, rather? It's either by faith or it's not. And so I'm trying to encourage you, let's not be foolish like the Galatians were. Let's not start by faith and end up walking by the law. Let's walk by faith, hearing the voice of God, voice of God, putting all our effort into hearing His voice. Um, I, I ask myself this question this, uh, this, um, this week as I was preparing. If we want all those things, if we want all of those things, This is the question we need to ask. What kind of gospel is going to produce that? Surely, that's the logical question. What kind of gospel is God going to seal with the kiss of His Holy Spirit? What kind of gospel? I have to say, the only kind of gospel that is going to bring the blessing and the kiss of the Holy Spirit into our lives is a gospel that is freely given, that is not given with any trickery, that is not given with any manipulation, that is not given with any kind of show being put on. Come to our church because we do the best show. We have the best program. Come to our church. The only thing that is going to bring the seal of the Holy Spirit's kiss into our lives is a gospel that preaches Jesus. Christ is enough for me. (laughs) Christ is enough. And I work hard. I promise you I work hard. But I don't work hard because someone's sitting on my back and saying, if you don't work hard, you're not a good pastor. I work hard because I love Jesus. That's it. That's, and you must live your life from the same motivation. I'm doing this because I love Jesus. That is it. Let us make much of Jesus. And as we make much of Jesus, the promise of His Word is that He will draw all men to Himself. Yes? When the atmosphere is worshipful, it will draw people to himself. We don't have to put on a big show. We don't. Keep it simple. The gospel is simple. The gospel is this, that Christ is enough for every need that we have. As we make much of Jesus, he will draw all men to himself. And as he does that, people will be saved, set free, healed, and delivered. I hope you are encouraged this morning because that is the gospel that we are going to preach and continue to preach with all of our hearts. Christ is enough. Let us make much of Jesus in our community, and he will save many into his kingdom. Amen? God bless you. Let's, let's celebrate together around the table of the Lord. And uh, 
I want to just say this as we break bread in this church. We don't ever, we're not ever irreverent. Our style is maybe a little bit casual, but we take it very seriously what we do now. And this is a time for us as believers to come around and to remind ourselves of our need of the gospel in our own lives. So when we break bread, what we're really doing is we're saying, we're preaching the gospel to ourselves. We're saying, I admit that I need Jesus in my life. And right now, I remind myself as I take this bread, as I drink this cup, it's a reminder to me of my constant need of Jesus' transforming power in my life right now. I need Jesus. I need His Spirit. And so I want to ask you this morning as we break bread that you would remind yourself of that. If you want to pray with your friends, your family, that's great. And if you're a visitor, please, uh, you're welcome to break bread with us and we will we'll pray with you. But let's just remind ourselves of our need of the cross that we need Jesus to do what he's called us to do. We need the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, I thank you for your grace and your kindness to us, and I thank you that it's all in the power of what you have done, that we walk. And I ask my prayer, Lord, is for this community that we would put all of our efforts, all of our effort into hearing your voice, none of our effort into trying to please you or our families by our performance. You know, Lord, that you've already done all that is required. And we take our eyes off our performance and we put them firmly back onto what you've done, to your cross, to your kindness and your mercy. And we ask, Lord, that you'd come, and as we break bread this morning, that you'd minister to us, that we might be transformed to become more and more like your Son. And thank you, Lord, that even as we do that, we pray that we, we don't become like Jesus by trying hard. We come, become like Jesus simply by obeying your voice as you whisper in our ears. And we pray, Lord, that we would see the seal of your Holy Spirit upon our community of this church as this increasingly becomes a community that is loving and graceful and full of passion for the lost. That comes, all that comes by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.